I know you've all been praying about this fire situation. I certainly have as well. Why don't you stand up with me? And um, Isaiah chapter 43 has a couple of scriptures that uh, I have used, um, well, I don't know how many decades. I have used it and used it and used it and used it. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I approach the Word of God as a toolbox that's full of tools for me to use in whatever situation I'm trying to fix. And I look at it as a, uh, as a weapon. I look at it as a tool uh, to, get to, to defend me from enemies or to, to uh, uh, take enemies out. And then as a tool to, to fix stuff that needs to be fixed. Amen. And uh, Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Um, I've gone outside of every house I've ever lived in and laid hands on that house and declared that uh, about fire and water. Amen. I, used, I had a cousin many, many years ago that lived in Houston, lived out on the San Jacinto River, and uh, their house was actually up on stilts, uh, built up on stilts because the area was right on the San Jacinto River and it was prone to, prone to flood. And so I, you know, visited them and I'd been to their house and saw what it was and they had told me how it was prone to flood and so on and so forth. And uh, I went away and I left there and went on about my business wherever I was traveling to. And, and uh, in a while, I don't know, weeks or months, there, there was a huge rain coming and and a huge storm coming, and they were maybe it's a hurricane. I don't know what was going on in Houston at the time, but anyway, they were forecast having those people evacuate and tell them they're, they're going to be flooded. And my cousin called me, and and I gave him the scripture. I said, "Take this scripture, take your Bible, and take this scripture, and go out to to the edge of your front yard. Go out, and the, the river is right across the street from their house. So I just walk just walk up to the edge of your property, right to the road. Then you cross the road, and then there's the river. And I said, just go out to the edge of your property and take the heel of your foot." Uh, and, and just just drag your heel or to get a stick and drag a stick, draw a line across the front of your property and read this scripture and say that when I pass through the waters, I will be with thee and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I said, and you'll, you'll, you'll be, you won't flood. And they did that. They went out there, the husband and wife went out there and took a stick and drew, drew a line and read the scripture and read the word. And I tell you, they had a horrible flood all around them. But it just never, ever, ever got on their front yard, never got on their property, front or back, anywhere. No, not, not on their property at all. And uh, just before Hurricane Harvey was, to, you know, hitting the Texas coast, uh, uh, it wasn't going to hit Houston, but they were forecasting lots of rain in Houston, which came to pass, as you well know. And I sent a number of friends to the same scripture. said, you go out there and you, you declare over your house and over your property that water is not coming up here. And, and thank God they did and it didn't. Amen. But the same way with this fire business, it says that when you, when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle up on me. And I, like I said, I've gone out to every house I've ever lived in, laid my hands up on it. And said, we're not going to have water coming up here. We're not having fire coming up here in the name of Jesus. Because it's a promise of the word of God. Amen. Now let me tell you something about the church today. It's kind of an enigma or, or, or kind of a paradox really in the church. Is it, it, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just because of some 
preachers preaching some goofy stuff in the last few years, all of a sudden the, the Old Testament's kind of become a bad thing. Are you here? As soon as you bring up the Old Testament, they'll tell you, oh, that's the law, that's the law, I don't want to hear any of that. But isn't it amazing how we're ready, we're, we're ready to jump on scriptures that are a promise from the Old Testament? Amen? That's all just Old Testament that I read you. If you don't want it, that's okay. But I suggest you jump on the Old Testament and just get all you can get from the Old Testament and get all you can get from the New Testament. Amen? Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Paul quoted the Old Testament. All those guys that made it work quoted the Old Testament. And uh, don't get hung up over the Old Testament. Man, there's so many scriptures. I probably use the Old Testament more than I do the New. Are you here? Just because it's bigger, it's thicker, it's got more stuff in it. And you know, it's real plain to understand. Sometimes the New Testament, you know, God's talking to you about spiritual things and, and you have to kind of stop and figure out and how this all fits and where it goes. And all. But, you know, it, it, it's pretty plain whenever God just says, uh, don't do that or you'll die. I can understand that. I mean, it's just pretty black and white in the Old Testament. Like, you know what? This is good. This is bad. Do this and you'll get blessed. Do that and it's not going to be so good. Are you here? Let's pray over these fires. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray against these fires north to south, east to west in California in the name of Jesus. Father, people have died. People's homes have been destroyed. There's homes right this moment being destroyed. And Father, we take authority and dominion in the name of Jesus. Father, we're the church. We're the church. And even though the rest of the population may not understand the church, know anything about the church, or believe anything about God, we are in authority. In Jesus' name. We don't need anybody's permission because God's given us permission. You've appointed us. You've anointed us. You've directed us. You've ordered us to stand in authority and dominion. You said, let us make man in our likeness and our image and let them have dominion, dominion, dominate, dominate, dominion. Let them have dominion over the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and the cattle of the field and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, Father, we take authority. Whatever needs to be done weather-wise, we know we need water in here. We need humidity in here. We need uh, winds not to blow and Santa Ana winds not to blow. And I, I don't care about all of that. I believe you to put the fires out. And stop, stop the destruction in the death in Jesus' name. Father, we plead the blood of the covenant. The blood, the blood, the blood. We draw a line of blood, Father, and say those fires will not pass over. And that we'll not be burned. And we plead the blood of Jesus on our homes, our families, that that pertains to us. We have authority and dominion in those areas. And I say we will not be burned in Jesus' name. Father, we pray protection, blessing, and we thank you for it. And we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name. Father, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, they weren't burned. They didn't, their hair wasn't singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. That's your word. That's your supernatural ability and power. All that was burned off was the bondage and the ropes. And thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen, amen, amen. Now, Father, tonight, I thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking to us by your spirit. I thank you for taking us into the treasure house. Holy Spirit, I've already talked to you about this, and I'll, I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but that the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me now, think through my thoughts, speak through my lips, minister words tonight, words, words, words tonight from your word that will get on the inside of us and create faith. For faith comes by hearing the word. And as we hear your word tonight, faith will rise in this place. Faith will rise in this place. Faith will rise in this place. And you'll be able to touch us at the point of our faith and do miracles, do healing, do what needs to be done. Father, I believe you just to open us up tonight and pour in your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding of your word, how we can be proactive with your word, how we can be conquerors more than. And I thank you for it. We give you glory and honor and praise, majesty and dominion. Father, when we leave this place tonight, let us leave here saying, Surely the Lord, not Terry Mize, but the Lord has ministered to us. That we leave here tonight with our head up and our shoulders back, realizing that we're bigger than we thought we were, we're better than we thought we were, and we can do more than we thought we could do because we're Christians. We're Christ-like ones. We're imitators of King Jesus. We've got the authority, the power, the dominion. We've got the Holy Ghost. We've got the blood of Jesus. We've got the name of Jesus. We've got the word of God. We've got the covenant. And we're not just mere men. We're not just mere women. We're sons and daughters of Almighty God, and we thank you for it and give you the glory and honor and praise and majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. I about preached myself happy. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 21, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to be there just for a second. But Isaiah 21, verse 23 says, says that if a man do something worthy of death, that you hang him. And then it goes on to say, and cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Isn't that right? Which is what Jesus did. Isn't that right? He hung on the tree. And he hung on the tree for the sole purpose of becoming a curse. Cursed is every man that hangeth on the tree. He said, if you hang a man on a tree, then you get him off there before sundown and you, you bury him somewhere. But you don't leave him up on that tree overnight. And then he's cursed. And that's the sole purpose that Jesus went to the cross was to become a curse so he could help us. Amen? Are you here? Yeah. Now, Galatians chapter 3, I know you're all familiar with this, but I'm going I'm to give you... You know, I don't just preach sermons. I'm not sure I have any sermons. I preach lifestyles. I preach you stuff that I've lived, that I've believed, that I've walked out, figured out, and uh, not just preach but live it, stuff that I have to live every day, stuff that I've lived to keep me alive in the mission fields. When I go to places where they're trying to kill me, and I've been a bunch of places where they've tried to kill me, then uh, those, those words that I've used and figured out and got revelation on and received, then uh, I just simply pass them along to you, and they'll work for you just like they work for me. Amen? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 tells us, and talking in the past tense now, it says, Christ hath, H-A-T-H, hath, past tense. That means already done, did. Not going to do, but it's, it's, he's already done it. Christ hath 
redeemed, that's past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. How did he redeem us from the curse of the law? By being made a curse for us. We were under the curse of the law, but Jesus came and was made a curse for us, thereby redeeming us from the curse of the law. Are you here? Because curses everyone that hangeth, for it's written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. We know where it's written over there in Deuteronomy 21, 23. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now, that's us. There's only two kinds of people in the world. There's, there's Jews and Gentiles. So if you're a Jew, well, that's good. And if you're not, you're a Gentile, and that's good because now Jesus brought this blessing of the Jews. It belonged to the Jews automatically. God gave it to the Jews automatically. But now Jesus has brought it to the Gentiles, and that's you. We ought to be really glad about that. Amen. Amen. How did he do it? Or what did he do it for? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone that hangeth on the tree. Why? That the blessings of Abraham, to make us eligible to the blessings of Abraham, to make the blessings of Abraham available to us. They weren't available to us. Now Jesus has made them available to us that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then verse 29, the last verse in this chapter, tells us if you, just in case you hadn't figured out that you really are eligible for those blessings and you really can get Abraham's stuff, it says here that if you belong to Christ, how many in here belong to Christ? Hold your hand up, hold it up high, look at it. Say, I belong to Christ. All right, now this says that if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. Man, that's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. If, you're, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And Abraham's blessing belongs to you. This isn't something you're trying to earn, something you're trying to get, something you're trying to get to. No, 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 no. It's the blessing of Abraham that Jesus has now made available to you because you belong to Christ, therefore you're Abraham's seed. Now Luke chapter 13 is a familiar story to everybody. There was a little woman that had had a, a problem with her back, a severe back problem that she walked around uh, facing the ground all the time. We know she could walk. We know she was mobile because Jesus saw her walking. So, so we don't know how bent over she was. In the mission fields, I've seen them bent from, from, from to where they can't move, to where they're just in a fetal position on the, on the ground, you know, to all different kinds of bent but you know i've seen them bend over pretty much you know just walk around like this and she'd been that way for 18 years for 18 years and the bible says and could no wise lift herself up totally impossible in no wise could lift herself up and one day jesus was preaching in the synagogue and she came in and when she came in jesus saw her and called her to him he said woman come here come here lady hey sister come here come up here and she came up where he was, and he, he did two things to her. He spoke to her, and he touched her. Now, if you notice all the miracles of Jesus, if you'll study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every miracle that Jesus ever did, every healing he ever did, every miracle he ever did, he did one of two things or both of those things. He either spoke to them or he touched them. Or he did both of those things, spoke to the men, touched them. With this lady, he did both. He spoke to her and said, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. 
and then laid his hand on her. So he did both of those things. He spoke to her and touched her. And the Bible says, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, she didn't glorify God for the sickness. She glorified God for the healing. Now, I've had so many women in nations around the world get that same healing of that same situation. And I tell you, they come in like this, and then at some point God hits them, and they, I mean, when they go, when they go up, it's like their arms automatically go up just to praise, you know. And they could no wise lift themselves up, and then she was straightened and glorified God. Amen? Now, when Jesus did that in the synagogue, and had this marvelous miracle, wonderful, wonderful healing of this little lady that for 18 years had suffered with this. It made the church people mad. The church people is always getting mad when God shows up. They still will today. God does something, make them mad. You'd think it'd make them glad. Amen? We want God to do stuff in our church and in our lives. Well, the, 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 the head honcho said to Jesus, shame on you. How dare you heal this woman on a Sabbath day? And he said, you bunch of hypocrites. You bunch of hypocrites. He said, every one of you guys, if your ox or your donkey gets off out here in the ditch, you go get them out on whether it's Sunday or not, whether it's Sabbath or not. And yet this, this one said, he said, yet this is a daughter of Abraham. This is a daughter of Abraham that Satan has bound low these 18 years. He made it very plain. God did not do this to her. Satan did this to her. This daughter of Abraham, this being a daughter of Abraham that Satan has bound low these 18 years, ought not she be loosed? Ought not this daughter of Abraham be loosed? What's he saying? He's saying it's her right. Shouldn't she be loosed? She's a daughter of Abraham. Satan's bound her low these 18 years. She ought to be loosed. She ought to be loosed. She should be loosed. And they didn't have anything to say about that. You see, you just told me that you belong to Christ. Therefore, you're Abraham's seed. So all you ladies are daughters of Abraham. All you men are sons of Abraham. And Jesus said, you ought to be loosed. That's under the old covenant. He hadn't even died yet. He hadn't even paid blood yet. He just said, under the old covenant, you ought to be healed. Just for Abraham's blessing alone, you ought to be loosed. You have the right to be loosed. No matter how much the devil's told you, oh, shame on you, and you did this, and you did that, and you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. That's why this has come. No, 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 no. Jesus himself said you ought to be loosed. You have the right to be loosed. You have the right under the Old Testament to be loosed. You have the right under the New Testament through Jesus' blood to be loosed. Amen? Are you here? Christ hath, H-A-T-H, hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for us, for us, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, us, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed, and therefore 
You're heirs to the promise. Now, isn't that simple? I love that story about the little woman in Luke chapter 13. Jesus said, hey, this lady's a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound low these 18 years. She ought to be loosed. Well, so should you. So should you. You have every right to be loosed. You have every right Old Testament. You have every right New Testament to be loosed. Let me tell you something about the Old Testament. People get so upset about the Old Testament and get so upset about the law and all that kind of stuff and and just say, well, the law is no good and it's gone and all that and then Jesus did away with the law. Jesus never did away with the law. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. I've had people tell me for 50 years, all my ministry years, I'll be 50 50 years next next year in the ministry plus two years as a youth leader, so really, you know, almost 52 years in the ministry preaching. And I've had people tell me all those years, all those years, all those years. You know, the church, the, the, the people just never change. The devil never, never ever changes. Isn't that right? I just tell you all the time, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, I've never, I've never been the right age to do anything. Because <laughs> all my life doing the stuff I did, going to the mission fields when I did, living in the jungles when I did, and traveling around the world when I did, you know, they'd say, Terry, you're just too young. You can't do that. Terry, you're just too young. You're too young. You can't do that. You can't go off and live in the jungle. You can't go do that. You can't, you, you're, you're too young to do that. And then at some point in my life, they start saying, Terry, you're too old to do that. <laughs> well, Terry, you're too old. You need, you need to be careful. Now, you better watch out. You're too old. You're getting, you're getting too old. And it's like, well, when, 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 no, when was I ever just right? <laughs> Nobody ever came up to me and said, Terry, you're just right. You're just right to go do this. You're the right age to do that. You're just always too young until you're too old. To make the people upset. But anyway, I've had people tell me for almost 50 years, over 50 years, uh, the law, the, the law's been done away with. And I always say, which one? Which one's no good anymore? Thou shalt not kill. That's not any good anymore. We can kill folks now. I don't think so. Every country I go to, every Indian tribe I've ever been with, the law is the same. You can't kill somebody. They do that in the tribes. In the, in the tribal jungle, they, they do that. You can't kill people. You just can't go up and kill somebody. Thou shalt not steal. It's okay to steal. I don't think so. I mean, I go to countries where if you steal, they cut your hand off. <laughs> That's pretty serious, isn't it? Don't do that anymore. Can't have false gods before you. That's still intact. See, all those, all those laws are still just the way they always were. God hadn't done away with any of them. Jesus hadn't done away with any of them. They're all still there. They're all still good. And every religion in the world has them, and every country in the world has them. And yet the church wants to squat and say, but we don't want them. People out in the world are smart enough to realize, hey, we, we need the law that says don't steal, don't kill. Isn't that right? Don't take another man's wife. Are, are you here? And the church says, no, we don't want those. Your next-door neighbor who's a sinner says, I want them. I don't want anybody killing me. I don't want anybody stealing from me. Are, are, are you here? See, the only thing that's different now from the law, the, the way it was in the Old Testament, the only thing that's different is the penalty. Whatever God didn't like in the Old Testament, he still doesn't like today. Whatever he told you in the Old Testament he didn't like, he hadn't changed his mind. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So if he didn't want you, he didn't like something in the Old Testament, he still doesn't like it. It's just, there's just, he just doesn't kill you for it anymore. Under the law, you know, if your teenager got smart mouth with you, you took him out to the gates of the city and they stoned him to death. Made really nice teenagers. <laughs> well, now when your teenager gets smart with you, you don't kill him anymore. Jesus said, I'll die for that. I'll die for that. Because God said, somebody's got to die. The soul that sins must die. I require blood. Jesus said, I didn't sin, but I'll, I'll pay blood. Isn't that right? So now if we go do something terrible, horrible, God still doesn't like it. He just doesn't kill you for it. That doesn't mean the police won't. Doesn't mean the police won't arrest you for whatever you did. Doesn't mean you won't go to jail. Doesn't mean you might get put to death. But God forgives you. Because Jesus died. He became the curse. He took your place. He went to hell for you. He died for you. He paid the penalty for you. Amen? But that doesn't mean we can still just go live like the devil and say, oh, God doesn't care anymore. Yeah, he still does. He just doesn't kill you for it anymore. Right? He still cares. Turn over Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, the law is not just the Ten Commandments. The, the Ten Commandments is what everybody's familiar with, and so that's what everybody calls the law. But the, but the law is actually the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So all through those five books, you've got the law, right? And then we've got what God calls the curse of the law, which Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Didn't redeem us from the law. Redeemed us from the curse of the law. Are you here? Because the curse of the law means if you do this, you're cursed, and now you're in trouble. But now if you do this, you can say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me for that. And, And Jesus was already cursed for that. So you're not cursed. Now, for years and years, I mean, since I was a teenager, since God first showed me this, I have gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy hunting for curses. I mean, every now and then I'll just sit down with my Bible and cup of coffee and just start hunting for curses, going on a curse hunt. Because I want to find every curse I can possibly find in the law. In Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I want to find every curse I can find because when I find it, then I'll just put a little no out there. See, see like along here? No, 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 no. I just put a little no out there because, no, I'm redeemed from that. Thank God I found a curse, and now I know I'm redeemed from it. But see, if you don't know the curse is there, then you don't know you're redeemed from that. Then the devil puts something on you, and you don't know how to get healing from it because you don't realize that it's a curse that you're redeemed from. Amen? So you, you need to just go on a curse hunt every now and then. Just, just sit down with your Bible and a marker, you know, and just go through that. Let me see if I can find some curses, some curses of the law, okay? Because if I can find them, then I'll realize I'm redeemed from them. Christ has redeemed me, so then I tell the devil, hey, you can't put that on me. 
I've been putting up with this thing here for six months, and I just found out it's a curse that, that, that I'm redeemed from. So therefore, I'm free from it in Jesus' name. Amen? But now look here. We'll, we'll look at the blessings. Now, the only reason we go to Deuteronomy 28 is just because it's, it's, got, it's got curses listed. And it's got blessings, it's got blessings listed. Uh, the other places in the law, you have to just go hunt for them. But, but here, they're just kind of listed like shooting fish in a barrel, like they're all right here. But just because they're listed here doesn't mean it's all of them. There's a whole bunch more. But these are the ones that are, that are listed for easy, easy understanding and easy, easy reference. The Lord says here, starting at, the, starting at verse 1, He says, It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently. Everybody say, hearken diligently. That, that means to hear intelligently, right? And to obey. Everybody say obey. That's a weird word, isn't it? Obey. 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 I don't know if you realize this or not, but in, in, in the English language, you know, we, uh, we in the English language say that four-letter words are dirty words, right? Most cuss words or curse words are four-letter words. But I've always said God's got a whole list of four-letter words, and the church thinks most of them are dirty, like obey. <laughs> Who wants to obey? <laughs> Tell your children, obey. They go, ew, gross. Mom said obey. You know, pray, fast. Oh, man, that's a real dirty word, isn't it? Fast. <laughs> Give. Hear. Love, well, anyway, never mind. That means to obey, obey, and declare, and to wholly run fast with and get louder and louder. All right? That's a lot of words there. Hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do. Not just observe them, but to do them as well. Not just to do them, but to observe them as well. To observe and to do all his commandments which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and these all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Isn't that good? God's blessings are going to overcome you and overtake you and follow you around and settle on top of you. Amen. Right? I mean, they're going to chase you down. If you'll just listen to God, if you just hearken to the voice of the Lord, and God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you, overtake you. Verse 3, blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed in the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, and the flocks of your sheep. You know, you know I, I used to preach out in Kansas a lot to a bunch of farmers. And I used to tell them all the time, way back in the 70s, I'd tell them all the time, say, you guys have got it so easy. I say, all the rest of us that live in the city and we we're at work as a delivery guy or we work as a mailman or we work as a you know whatever we work at we have to go in these scriptures right here and pull them over to fit our situation now so you don't have to it just says your cattle will be blessed your crops will be blessed amen i said you don't even have to stretch them and pull them and maneuver them you just have to just look at the words hey i'm a farmer my, my fields are blessed my crops are blessed my cattle are blessed are y'all here Anyway, he gives you all these blessings. The fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, increase your kind, the flocks, your sheep, blessed in the basket, blessed in the store, blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And the Lord shall cause your enemies to flee before you to be smitten in front of your face. They'll come against you one way and flee before you in seven. 
The Lord shall command the blessings on your storehouses and all thy set thy hand to, and he shall bless you in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And he just goes on, all these blessings and blessings and blessings. Well, I'm not going to spend time on the blessings because they're pretty obvious. There they are, and uh, they, they belong to us. But then he starts into the curse in verse 15. And I'm more excited about the curse. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And you'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the field and cursed in the basket and cursed in the store, cursed in the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Cursed shall thou be when thou come in, cursed shall thou be when thou go out. The Lord shall send upon thee the cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to to do until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doing. Wherefore, you have forsaken me. The Lord shall make the, uh, <clears throat> shall make the pestilence cleave to you and he, until he's consumed you from off the land, whether thou go to possess it. Now, now in the Old Testament, I think y'all all know this. I know Pastor Mike teaches you well. Uh, in the Old Testament, these these verbs that say God will cause it to happen to you, or God will smite you, or God will kill you, or God will do all this stuff. It's really not the causative sense. It's the it's the permissive sense that if you if and and I don't even like to say it that way because when people say, "Well, God permitted it," well, yeah, but. It's not that he had any action in doing it. It's just that there's a blessing and there's a curse, and you just got over here in the curse, and it's it's an automatic. It's automatic. Blessings are going to happen when you walk over here. Curses are going to happen when you walk over here. And it's not that God's saying, "Okay, bless this," and "Okay, curse that." It's just it's just the system he set up and said, you know, before I set before you this day, blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose the good stuff. Choose to do right. Isn't that right? So it's not that he's sitting there making individual decisions on, okay, I'm going to curse you there. I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to curse you there. No, no, no. It's just the system's set up, and you, you walk wherever you decide to walk. Okay? You know, Renee and I go to Mexico City quite, quite often. We go to Mexico quite often. We go to Mexico City quite often as well. And uh, there's parts of that town that I wouldn't drive in for, I mean, unless God just told me to. I just wouldn't drive in at all. It's dangerous, right? But then there's other places where she and I are visiting a friend of ours. I've got a missionary friend in Mexico that's 95 years old now, still preaching, still going on, still still doing doing things for God and still being strong. And uh, we go visit him and, and check in on him and his wife uh, on a regular basis. And we'll walk from our hotel down to their house, which is, you know, I don't know, four, five, six blocks. And uh, a lot of times we don't leave their house till midnight. And a lot of times we'll just, she and I will just be walking back down to the hotel. And, I'm, and sometimes I just think, it's midnight. We're walking in Mexico City, one of the largest cities in the world, at midnight. But, you know, I just feel completely safe. But then other parts of the town, I wouldn't go in at all. And it doesn't have anything to do with God saying, I'm going to curse you here and I'm going to bless you there. That's just, just like, don't, don't, it's like I told my kids now, my grandkids, you know, if you play in the devil's backyard, his dog will bite you. Isn't that right? You know, there, you, you can't avoid a lot of trouble in your life just by not playing in the devil's backyard. Does that make sense? 
You, know, you can just be blessed and cursed just by whose backyard you're playing in. Whose dog you're playing with? Are, are you here? So when you see these things where it says God will curse you and God will do this and God will do that, that's, that's not the causative sense. It's a permissive sense. But like I said, I don't, I don't even like that. It's kind of like if my, if, if my son uh, went and robbed a bank and then shot somebody and killed them and then got put in jail for it, and I go visit him in jail and say, Son, what did you do? You know, I'm his father. I'll love him forever. I'll love him unconditionally. I'll love him no matter what. But I want to prove. I taught my kids their growing up lives, and I taught my grandkids. I'm teaching my grandkids all these years that, that I will love you. I'm, I'm your dad. I'm your granddad. I'll love you no matter what you do, no matter what you become, no matter how bad it is and how bad you are. I'll always love you. I'm, I'm your dad. I'm your granddad. I'll love you unconditionally. But I want to prove. And if you do things that I don't approve of, then I'm going to tell you verbally, hey, I don't like that. I don't want you doing that. And not only will I tell you, I'm not going to bless you. I'm not, I mean, if you're on drugs, I'm not going to give you money and further your habit. Right? Does that make sense to you? I'm not going to bless your lifestyle if I don't approve of your lifestyle. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. See, blessings don't just blessings don't come with love; they come with approval. Well, I should make a blank statement like that. I mean, blessings do come with love, but but a lot of blessings come not with love but approval. You know, I love you, but I don't approve what you're doing, so I'm not going to bless what you're doing. Any parents in here? Grandparents in here? Yeah. You know, sometimes my kids or grandkids and you know call me and say, "Hey, Papa, can I can I have some money? We're gonna we're gonna." Uh, I said, well, who are you going with? What are you going to do? Who's going to be there? Any parents going to be there? What time are you going to be home? You know, I kind of want to know the what I'm giving to, right? What I'm condoning, what I'm promoting, what I'm enabling. Are you here? And so that's what God's, that, uh, that, uh, what I started to say is my son was in jail for robbing a bank and killing somebody. And, and uh, somebody might say, well, Terry, you, you, you allowed that. Terry permitted that. Did you hear that, that Terry's son killed somebody and he's in jail because blah, 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 blah. Terry permitted that. No, I didn't permit it. That's what people say about God. Well, God permitted it. Well, he, you can say I permitted it in the fact that I just didn't go down to the bank and stop him, take the gun away from him, Right? But that's not true. And to say that about God's not true either. I mean, yeah, well, God, he, he, he permitted it in the fact that he's God, you know. But he did, and he didn't just go stop you. But that's, that's a long stretch to say he permitted it or he allowed it. Isn't that right? Are you here, Chip? Y'all are being better tonight. I'm proud of you. Let's go down to uh, it's all the same things. You know, verse 19, curse when you come in, curse when you go out. Uh, there's the vexation, the rebuke. We already read that. Verse 21, the Lord will make you, uh, will make pestilence. You know, pestilence can be mice, roaches. I mean, you know, they're pests. 
You can run those out of your house just with, just say, hey, I'm redeemed from the curse. Hey, that's a curse. Pestilence is curse. Christ is redeeming me from the curse, therefore I'm, I'm free from it. Are y'all here? Um, verse, look at verse uh, 23, 22. The Lord shall smite you with a consumption. That's tuberculosis, by the way. And with a fever, you know, any kind of fever. You know, there's regular fever, there's, there's rheumatic fever, there's scarlet fever, there's hay fever, there's, you know, just there's Ebola fever, there's hemorrhagic fever, there's, there's just all kind of fevers. And every one of them are under the curse. Amen? So with a fever, I wrote in my Bible right there in red letters, any kind of fever, no matter what kind of fever it is, any kind of fever, consumptions, tu- tuberculosis, with an inflammation, with an extreme burning, with the sword, with blasting, with mildew. Mildew is a liver disease, by the way, back in those days. And they shall pursue thee until you perish. And the heavens will be cut off from you, and your prayers won't get answered, and so on and so forth. Verse uh, 25, the Lord shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out against them one way and flee before them in seven ways, and you'll be removed all the kingdoms of the earth. I put no beside that. No, I'm redeemed from that. Uh, verse 27, the Lord will smite you with the botch of Egypt. And that sounds bad, doesn't it? And with emrods, emrods and hemorrhoids, and with the scab, and with the itch, wherefore you cannot be healed. Any kind of a rash, any kind of a sore, an itch is under the curse of the law. It's a curse. And it's listed as a curse. You don't have to stretch and make these things up. It's just listed here, right? The Lord shall smite you with madness, verse 28, and blindness, Blindness and eye trouble under the curse. Astonishment of heart under the curse. Guess what's written in my Bible beside all that? Nope. See, Jesus reversed the curse. And if he reversed the curse, then every one of these curses, I'm really glad to find because I say, hey, I'm delivered from that. Hey, Jesus took that for me. Hey, Jesus, Jesus paid the price for me. Amen. Y'all still with me? All right. You get anything out of all this? Verse 29, And you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your way, and you shall be only only oppressed and spoiled forevermore, and no man shall save thee. That's pretty bad, isn't it? You know, oppression and depression, the, the closest thing you can get to depression in the Bible is the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of heaviness. And, you know, we know what depression does to people today. I mean, there's no, I, I, don't, I, had, I had a statistic at one point how many, how many children are on antidepressants. I mean, they're giving volumes to kids. It's just the normal American thing. Hey, have, a, have, a, have an antidepressant, right? And people lose their lives over that kind of stuff. People can't get out of bed over that kind of stuff. It's terrible. It's awful. It's horrible. But right here, the word says it's under the curse. It's under the curse. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you did something for that to happen to you. I'm just saying it's under the curse. It's in that system. And if you don't realize that it's a curse, then you don't realize that you're healed from it, that you're free from it, that Jesus paid for it. Amen, Brother Terry. That's a really good word. I'm excited about this tonight. Well, thank you. I'm glad. I, I thought you'd be as excited as I am. 
Because I've been excited about this for a long, long, long time. It has changed my life and lots of folks' lives. Amen. No man shall save thee. Listen to this. Listen to infidelity in the home here. Verse 30. You shall betroth the wife and another man shall lie with her. That's the curse. That's the curse. Got a big old red no right there. That's the curse. Infidelity in my home is under the curse. And you can just say that out loud over and over and over and over and over. Infidelity in the home is under the curse. My husband, my wife's not going to cheat on me. That's under the curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it. Amen? You shall betroth the wife, another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house and shall not dwell therein. You shall plant a vineyard and not gather the grapes. Boy, that's bad. No, I don't know. I'm reading from that. Look at verse 32. Your sons and daughters, this is really bad. Your sons and daughters shall be given to another people. And thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thy hand. And if you flip over to verse, I think it's 40. Let me check and see. Uh, 41, it says almost the same thing. It says, Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. I've got a big no by that. You know, you need to say, I have begotten sons and daughters, and I shall enjoy them. And they shall not go into captivity. No captivity to drugs, captivity to sex, captivity to crime, captivity to, to, to kidnapping and, and, and human trafficking, captivity to anything. They shall not go into captivity because that's the curse. And Christ has redeemed me from the curse that the blessings of Abraham might come on me. Amen? That's what needs to just be coming out your mouth all the time. You don't have anything to pray about that there you got some stuff to pray for all right it says your children will be taken from you and all that kind of stuff went back over to 41 back that up let's go back where we were um verse 34 so you shall be mad for the sight of your eyes which you shall see the lord shall smite thee in the knees knee troubles under the curse in the legs leg troubles under the curse with a sore with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Any kind of a bloody froth, any kind of an open running sore, any of that, that's all under the curse of the law. Verse uh, 37, And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whether the Lord shall send thee. You probably know people like that. You probably know people that, that, that are an astonishment and a proverb and a byword. I used to have an aunt. She's in heaven today. But I used to have an aunt that she just complained all the time. She just griped all the time. She was just sick with something all the time. I mean, she's just going to tell everybody how bad off she was about anything and everything and whatever happened and whatever was going on. She's going to say, oh, woe is me. Until she just became an astonishment. I mean, I loved her dearly. But she was an astonishment and a byword and a proverb to everybody that knew her. You know, something, something happened. They say, "Oh, well, you know, you know Ruth. You know how she is. Well, you know, you know. That's just a, that's a byword. That's a proverb. Oh, well, you know how how Aunt Ruth is. She just she just always blah 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 blah. Because she just became an in, in everybody's mind that knew her. She was an astonishment and a byword and a proverb. And that's what this says. It says you'll become that. You'll be that person. Well, that's a curse. 
And Christ has redeemed you from the curse. Aren't you glad? Verse 39, or excuse me, wait, where was that, 37, 38. Lest they shall carry, you shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather but little in, for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt, thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but neither drink of the wine or gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coast, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil, for thine olive shall cast his fruit. I wrote, in, I wrote right in there. Genesis 26 says, I reap a hundredfold. Amen. Genesis 26, when there was a famine in the land, and Isaac said, well, I'm going to go over to Egypt and get some food. And the Lord said, don't do that. He said, you stay here in the land that I swear to your father to bless, and I'll bless you. And it says that Isaac stayed there in the land, and he sowed. And it says the same year he reaped a hundredfold, and the Philistines envied him. Isn't that right? So instead of having this deal here where your olive tree doesn't produce, your grapes don't produce, nothing produces, no, no, no. It says you'll carry seed in the field and not gather anything back. No, I reap a hundredfold. Genesis 26 said, I reap a hundredfold. Amen. Of course, Genesis 26 is in the Old Testament. You've got to like Old Testament to get that. And then again, verse 41, thou shalt beget sons and daughters. I'm not enjoying them going to captivity. No, 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 no. Drop all the way down. It says verse 47. Now listen to this one, how it's worded. Verse 47 tells you that because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness. God wants you to serve him with joyfulness. He says because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart. For what? For the abundance of all things. Now wait a minute. Listen to that scripture. That's an Old Testament scripture. It says he wants you to, to, to serve him with joyfulness. And gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. And he said, because you didn't do that, then you'll serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against you. You'll serve them in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things and put a yoke of iron on your neck until you be destroyed. You see, Jesus took those, didn't he? He took thirst on the cross. He took want on the cross. He took nakedness on the cross. So you can just put no beside that and all Jesus did that for me. Jesus redeemed me from that curse. He became a curse for me. So therefore, I'm not going to be under that curse. And I'm certainly going to serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all that. Thank you, Lord, for the abundance of all things. Father, I'm just so blessed and so happy that you bless us with the abundance of all things and we appreciate it, and we love you, and we thank you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, and we're blessed. Amen. Well, let's jump all the way over. You can, you can read. You can just keep reading, but let me let me save some time here. Look at verse sixty. This this is a powerful verse here. It says, "Moreover, he will bring upon you a double all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they shall cleave to thee." Now that says that every disease that was known of. Every one of them, every known disease is under the curse of the law. And then verse 61, I love that he threw this in here in verse 61. He said, and also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book is under the curse of the law. I love that. God's saying to us, you know, every known disease, all the diseases of Egypt, they're all under the curse. And by the way, anything that ever comes along in the future, anything the devil thinks up in the future, 
Man, we got swine flu one year and bird flu one year and some other kind of flu another year and some other kind of flu another year and some other kind of flu another year. This is a brand new flu. Yeah, but I already read about it way back here. God's already got it covered. God's already got it covered way back here in Deuteronomy. See, any disease that pops up in the future, anything the devil thinks of, you know, cancer wasn't around then, AIDS wasn't around then, but God covered it. He said, no, all that's under the curse. That's all, that's all that's under the curse. Every sickness and every plague was not written in this book of the law. And then verse 62, and you shall be left few in number. Few in number. I've been giving this to a lot of pastors saying, Pastor, man, you look out there at your church and if you don't have the numbers you used to have, just start, start declaring that being few in numbers under the curse. Amen. We ought to confess that over our church, over our church. We're, Father, we're just not going to be few in number. That's under the curse. We, we, we call people in. We call people to come back to church. We call people into the church. We'll not, we'll not be few in number because we're redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen? And then if you go down, we'll end it down here. Verse 65 says, And among the nations you shall find no ease, neither shall the sole of your foot have rest. But the Lord will give you a trembling heart and failing eyes and sorrow of mind. See, all that's under the curse. Not being able to rest, trembling heart, failing eyes, sorrow of mind. You don't have to put up with that. Verse 66, And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night and have no assurance of your life. Well, Psalms 103 says, My life's assured. Psalms 103 says, My life's redeemed from destruction. Amen. Amen. In the morning you shall say, I wish to God it were evening. In the evening you'd say, I wish to God it were morning for the fear that you have in the sight of your eyes which you shall see. I know people like that. I pray for people like that all the time, have for decades. They say, oh, Brother Terry, at night I'm just miserable and wish it was morning. I just can't go to bed. I just dread going to bed. I just dread shutting my eyes and trying to sleep. I, just, I wish to God, wish to God it was just morning. And then in the morning, it's, oh, I wish to God I could just go to bed. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to, I don't want to see people. I don't want to do, I, I just, I wish to God. I wish to God it was night. I wish to God I could just, that's what this is. And that's the curse. Not that you've done something wrong, but that's the, that's the system. That's the curse system. And for you to find out you're redeemed from it, you say, dear God, I'm redeemed from this. I'm redeemed from that. Thank you, Jesus. I'll not have fear. I'll lay down. The Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. The word says when I lay down to sleep, my sleep will be sweet, and I'll not be afraid with sudden fear. God will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. I can both lay me down and sleep and be at peace. I've been in jungles while laying down. I mean, tribes and snakes and stuff. Father, I'm just, I just can lay me, I can lay me down and sleep in perfect peace. I've been in war zones here, hearing bombs go off and hearing you know, guns go off. Father, thank you, I can just lay down and sleep. Years ago, T.L. Osborne and I were in in in, uh, in Ireland during the during the wars, you know, during the during the Provo time, and during the during the IRA and Britain and, and Ireland were fighting and and bombs going off here. When the, the guys that take us to church, they'd never take the same road twice. They'd always. Before they ever started their car, they'd crawl under and look under and open the hood and look under the hood. And, you know, and we'd, we'd be preaching, just bombs going off, machine guns going off, all kinds of stuff going off. And that's just one of many, many, many countries I've been to. And T.L. and I both, I said, 
He said, you going to be able to sleep with this? I said, oh, I can both lay me down. I can both sleep and be at peace. Amen? Just sleep anywhere. Sleep anytime. You don't have to be afraid. Fear is under the curse. You know, years ago, I was in, uh, Jackie and I lived in Guadalajara, Mexico as missionaries. And uh, I was always really close to my grandparents. And, and my, uh, my grandpa had, my granddad had died. And my grandmother uh, was by herself. And uh, one day, my, my, my aunt called me from, from Texas. And I was in Mexico, in Guadalajara. And said, uh, she said, Terry, you've got to come home right now. Your grandmother's dying. And before I even processed what she said, it didn't even process well. It just squirted out of me, out of my mouth. And she said, Terry, you've got to come home right now. Your grandmother's dying. And I said, that's a lie from the pits of hell. I just heard myself say that. I just, it just squirted out of me. I didn't process it and think about it and then say it. It was just an instant thing. And then I said, what did you say? Did you say she's dead or she's dying? Because, again, I hadn't even processed it yet. And she said, she said well, she's dying. She said, she's, uh, uh, she's in the hospital. She said, the doctor gives her 60% chance, uh, 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 40% chance to live through the night. And uh, she said, you know, she's just gotten worse and worse. And said, uh, uh, the diabetes has gotten so bad that uh, she's lost her sight. She's, she's blind. And uh, she, the doctor says she's got total kidney failure. And she's just not going to make it. Said, you know, she just maybe she'll live through the night and maybe she won't. But you need to come home. And I said to her, I said, no. I said, I can't come home right now. I can't come home for about a week or ten days. I said, but I decree as a man of God in the name of Jesus and the office God's called me to, she'll not die. She'll not die. She'll not die until I come see her and talk to her and figure out whether she wants to die or not. And I said, you tell her I said that and you tell her I'll be up there in about... A week, a week to 10 days. And uh, so sure enough, time came and I got on a plane, flew up to West Texas. And somebody picked me up at the airport and, and I just all the way up on the plane, I just sit there doing scriptures and praying scriptures and thinking and meditating. And, and uh, then when they picked me up, I, I, just, I said, I don't want to talk. Just, just take me to the hospital. And I'm just sitting over there in the car saying, greater is he within me than he is within the world. I'm going to go up to the hospital and deal with this, but greater is he that's within me than he that's up there. Greater is he that's in me than he that's up there. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I should talk. Got up there, went to, got to the hospital, went up, went to her room. Walked straight into her room. She's laying there in bed and got all this tubes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of my aunts, or maybe, maybe, maybe two of my aunts were in the room. And, uh, and I just walked straight in the room and walked over and touched her because she couldn't see. And I said, uh, I said, it's Terry. Do you want to die I didn't say, hello, how are you, how you feel, good to see you. I said, this is Terry, do you want to die and go to heaven and be with granddad and be with Jesus? If you do, that's all right, you need to tell me. I said, or do you want to live and stay here and uh, be healed? And I said, and you ought to get out of this bed and go home and fix me something to eat. (laughs) And she started crying. Now, I love my grandmother dearly. I wasn't trying to be mean to her. I was trying to get her attention down in here. And she started crying and she said, no, darling, I don't want to die. I want to, I, I, I want to live. I said, that's all I want to know. I said, that, that's all I want to know. I said, now listen to me. I said, I know doctors are talking to you and that's fine. They're doing their job, doing all they know to do. Thank God for them. I said, I know the family's talking to you and that's not so good. <laughs> and I said, but I said, I want you to listen to me. 
And if you'll listen to me and say what I tell you to say and do what I tell you to do, you can get up and leave this hospital in just a few days and go home and uh, everything will be good. I said, will you do that? She said, yes, I'll do it. And she was weak. Her voice was really, really weak. And I said, uh, I said, I don't want you to say this. Say, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And she said, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And I said, and diabetes is under the curse. And she said, well, we didn't say diabetes back then. Those old folks, they said sugar diabetes. So that's what I told her. I said, sugar diabetes is under the curse. And so she said that. And I said, and blindness is under the curse. And she said, blindness is under the curse. I said, kidney failure is under the curse. Kidney failure is under the curse. Whatever ever symptoms she had, I just went through them. And uh, I said, now say it again. I went through it again. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. We did it. Got to the end. I said, so therefore I'm free from it. So therefore I'm free from it. Okay, let's say it again. And we went through it again. Okay, let's say it again. We went through it again. Okay, let's say it again. We went through it again. And just she just quoted. She just followed me along. I don't know how long we stayed there and did it, a bunch of times. Therefore, I'm free from it in the name of Jesus. That's under the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it. That's under the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it. That's under the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it in the name of Jesus. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I said, God thinks you're healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. God thinks you're healed. The God of the universe thinks you're healed. If he thinks you're healed, then who, who are you to think you're not? God says you're healed. I know your daughters say you're not, but the only difference who's right, them or God. And I love my aunts. You know how it is dealing with family. Man, I went in there and established a beachhead just, just up front and planted the flag and said, I'm going to fight this out right here. And uh, after a little while, I said to her, uh, I'm going to go to your house and take a nap and get something to eat. And I'll be back up here after a while. And I said, now, you don't have anything better to do than to lay there and say exactly what I said to say. So I want you to say it. If you say it a hundred times, that's fine. You just keep saying it till I get back. And so I left, went and did a couple of things I needed to do, went to her house, took my luggage, you know, and got something to eat. So I came back that afternoon. I said, you've been saying what I told you to say? She said, yep, I've been saying it ever since you left. I said, okay, let's say it again. So we sit there, and I'd go through it with her, and we'd go through it, and we'd go through it, and go through it. That night, I said, okay, I'm going to go to your house and go to sleep. See you tomorrow. You keep saying it. You know, say it till you fall asleep, and then as soon as you wake up, say it some more. And uh, so I did, and she did, came back the next day. Next morning, I walked in, and she said, uh, I can see you. I said, you can? She said, yeah. I said, how many fingers? Two, how many fingers? Four, five, six, six, you know. Completely healed of her eyes. Doctors came in and said, you know, our kidneys are functioning a little bit. And I said, well, that's good. They're going to function a little bit more. And uh, so I sat there that day and we said it and said it and said it and said it. And uh, the third day, they just let her go home. Her kidneys were working. Her sight was there. She's in good shape. One of my aunts took me out in the hallway and chewed me up one side and down the other. And she said, I would rather see mother dead. I said, what is wrong with you? Now, I was probably 23, I guess. And I said, what is wrong with you? She said, you walked in that room and pushed God around and made him heal mother. I'd rather see, I'd rather see her dead. 
I said, I reminded God of his word. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. That's exactly what I did. She said, you pushed him around. You twisted his arm and made him heal her. I'd rather see her dead than you to treat God that way. I said, well, you got a serious problem in more ways than one. Isn't that amazing? She came home, cooked for me. I went back to Mexico. She lived another 10 years. Did good. Didn't have any of that stuff with her. I, I, Jackie and I came back from Mexico and moved to, moved to Tulsa. Uh, and uh, I just moved her to Tulsa with us. And uh, she was, lived with us in Tulsa there for a couple of years. And then one day she said, you know, Terry, I'd like you to take me back to West Texas. And I said, well, let's talk about this. I said, if you go to West Texas, you're, you're going to end up getting sick and you're going to end up dying just around the mess you're in down there as opposed to being here with me. And she said, I know that. But she said, I've been, I said, well, do you, you want to die? Are you ready to go? She said, you know, I've just been thinking about it. I think I, think I am. And I think I'd like to go see. She called my granddad daddy. Yeah, I'd like to go see daddy. And uh, she said, you know, I just, I don't want to be buried up here. He's buried down there. I want to be buried where he's buried. I said, well, I'll bury you wherever you want to be buried. But I said, if you want to go home, I'll take you. But I said, I want you to know that uh, you're doing really good up here. And if you go back down there and you don't have somebody there to help you and pray with you and all that kind of stuff, I said, you know, it's not going to be the same. And she said, well, that's all right. And I said, okay. I said, I said, and so I moved her back. I took her back. And I told her, I said, now, what I want to know is, are you serious about this? Are you serious about going to heaven? I said, because I said, if they, if they call me and tell me you're in the hospital, do you want me to come pray? Or do you just want me to release you and let you go to heaven? And she said, no, I've been thinking about it. She said, I just want you to release me and let me go to heaven. I said, well, okay. I said, now I'm going to come see you as often as I can. I said, I just can't see you. Like, now you live with it. Now I see you every day. But I said, so, you know, I'm going to have to put it in my schedule and get, try to get down to see you as often as I can, but it's not going to be like now. And so anyway, I moved her down there, and she was, she was there for, I don't know, six, seven months, something like that. She got sick, went to the hospital. My aunt called me and said, Terry, mother's in the hospital, and you know, they, don't, they don't think she's in the... I said, well, that's okay. I said, uh, I said I'm... Uh, I'm not even going to pray. I said, she told me not to. So I'm just going to pray that she just uh, be peaceful, release, and go on. Sure enough, she did and was. And I went down and preached the funeral. And she's been happy ever since. But see, see, here, here she was saying that as sick as she was. I mean, blind, kidneys, failure, diabetes, all that stuff. As sick as she was, lay there in a hospital bed for those... What, what it was, two and a half days or whatever, just saying that same thing over and over. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Diabetes is under the curse. Kidney failure is under the curse. Blindness is under the curse. All these things are under the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it. And you just keep saying that until you get a revelation that I'm, I'm free from that. Jesus took that for me. Jesus, Jesus became a curse for me that I might receive the blessings of Abraham, that they might come on me, that I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. I remember one time, years even before that, I was in, uh, came up from Mexico to Houston to Lakewood Church. 
and uh, Brother Osteen, Joel's daddy, John Osteen, I was having a convention, and, and I was up there at the convention, and he, he, he wanted me to stay on the grounds. They had a missionary cottage there on the grounds. He wanted us to stay on the grounds. So we just stay there on the grounds, and we'd visit and go to lunch and do different stuff. And, 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 and while I was there, I got this really bad rash on my body, really bad, and it just, you know, it was, a, it was an itch, and it was a, a, began to be an open sore. It just began to be a lot of things. Just, I mean, nothing life-threatening, but, I mean, just a hassle and pain and irritation and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one night I just got in the middle of the night and, and walked, to the, walked into the bathroom. And as soon as I walked in the bathroom, I heard, I heard Brother Osteen's uh, voice in my ear uh, because he had preached a message like that Sunday before that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. And I just heard his voice in my ear saying, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And an itch is under the curse and an open running sore is under the curse. And therefore, you're free from it. And I just heard it two or three times, just, just standing there looking at myself in the mirror. Just, and I said, well, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Itches under the curse. Ratches under the curse. Open running swords under the curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it. Turned around, went back to bed, woke up the next morning, had no rash whatsoever. Just simple little things on one story, mega other thing on my grandma's story. But we, I have used that all of those years since. On my kids, on my grandkids, on me, you know, and then preached it all over the world to third world nations and jungles and everywhere else. And hadn't preached in the States in, dear Lord, years and years and years. I don't know why. But I had it on my, in, in my heart and in my spirit to preach it to you guys tonight. So I trust you got something out of it. Yeah. Amen. It's 830. I need to quit and let you all go home. But uh, that will change your life. Could save your life. Amen. But it certainly changed your life. Just let that get down on the inside of your spirit, that Christ has redeemed me. You know, sometimes in church, like word churches, you know, we, we get into confessing this, confessing that, making congregational confessions up until, until if we don't watch out, it gets up in our head. We're just kind of confessing it out of our head. Oh, I'm making my confessions. Well, no, no, no. It needs to be down in here that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. That's a fact. That's an absolute irrefutable fact. Christ has Past tense, redeem me from the curse of the law. How did he do it? Because he hung on a tree and curses everyone that hung on a tree. So he became the curse, being made a curse for me. Why did he do it? That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's me. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. Then I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then verse 29 just kind of bumps it up in case you just think, well, maybe I'm a child of Abraham. Maybe I'm not. Well, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Amen. Amen. And I love it when he healed that little lady that was all bowed over. And he said, this is a daughter of Abraham. Whom Satan has bound low all these 18 years. She ought to be loosed. Ought not she be loosed from the bondage of Satan. That ought to make you shout and dance and jump. Ought to make you get healed. Amen. Did you get something from it? All right, stand up with me. That's a seriously good word. That's a word you can take to the bank. I've taken that one to the bank a lot of times over the years. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for Wednesday night Christians. Thank you for men and women of God that would literally go out on a Wednesday night and battle the traffic and battle the other stuff. And they, they, they're just as busy as everybody else is and got just as much to do as everybody else does. But they, they made a quality decision 
and put aside everything else and said, I'm going to the house of God. And Father, I thank you for blessing them, blessing them, blessing them, blessing them in Jesus' name. I pray the blessings of God on them. I pray the blessings of God to come on them and overtake them and follow them around and settle upon them, that they're blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed in the basket and blessed in the store. Father, financially they're blessed. Physically they're blessed. Their dogs are blessed. Their cats are blessed. Their flocks, the flocks and the kind and the cattle, all that's blessed. Their, their rose bushes are blessed because you said their, their fields are blessed and their crops are blessed. So, Father, whatever they put their hand to, the blessings of God are on it. And I thank you for it. Father, we choose to walk in life. We choose. We realize there's the curses over here and the blessings over here. We're just going to walk in the blessings. And Father, I thank you for helping them hunt curses in the Bible. That when they're just got their coffee in their Bible and they're over there in those first five books of the Bible and they see some curse, they just get excited and say, yeah, yeah, that's a curse. I'm free from that. That doesn't apply to me. Just write in their Bible. No, 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 no. I know that doesn't, that's not mine. Thank you, Father. I thank you that their children are blessed. You said their children are blessed. You said their marriage is faithful. Thank you, Father, for faithful marriages. Faithful husbands and wives. Because otherwise would be the curse. And we're redeemed from the curse. Father, we're just, we walk out of here, we're just as redeemed as redeemed. You know, either you're redeemed from the curse or you're not. And Father, we are. We walk out of here tonight redeemed that Jesus took, bore the, the curse for us, hung on that tree, became a curse on purpose. So he could redeem us from it. He took it so we don't have to. And I thank you for that. Give you glory. Father, our business is blessed. You said we're blessed in the basket. We're blessed in the store. That's money. That's finances. Well, we're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed with our crops. We're blessed with our animals. We're blessed with our kids. Blessed with our marriage. We're blessed. And I thank you for it. Our children are not going to captivity. And, Father, there may be children represented here tonight that are in captivity, but we break it tonight. We break that bondage off of them in the name of Jesus. Father, we plead the blood of the covenant and the covenant of blood on those kids, on those grandkids, on those marriages, on those husbands and wives. We plead the blood, and we break the power of hell over them in Jesus' name. Because we're not under the curse. And we've begotten those children. And we shall enjoy them. And they shall not go into captivity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our home is blessed. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For redeeming us from the curse of the law. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it. And give you the glory, the praise, the majesty, the honor and dominion. In Jesus' name. Just lift your hands and thank him. I tell you, we got a lot to thank him for tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Father Chip said at the beginning of the service, you know, we, we're in Orange County. That's something to be thankful for. Renee and I say all the time, hey, this is America. We're blessed. We're blessed. Thank you, Lord. We're blessed. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for the blessings, blessings, blessings. We're blessed in the city, in the field, in the basket, in the store, and all that we put our hand to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Do you sing too? Sing something for us. If you don't, Chip, come sing something for us. Get us, get us, let us worship the Lord and go out of here blessed. Hey, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Come back. Sunday night, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to preach some healing and, and believe God for some miracles. I, I uh, had something in my spirit all week long that I just really want to nail down some healing stuff on uh, on Sunday night. And uh, I was glad you left the left the youth in the other night. And uh, this this Sunday night, I hope you do because they they love the supernatural. And I want to tell some miracles and miracle stories. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, I heard lots of sermons, but you know, you didn't really remember the sermons. You remembered the miracles. You remembered the supernatural things. And so I want them to remember the, the supernatural things and, and uh, it'd be a blessing to them. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you know, there weren't any, there weren't any kids, weren't any youth in the Bible. You know, God didn't have youth groups, and youth camps and youth services. You know, Paul said, uh, when I was a child, I, I played with childish things. But when I became a man, I, I put them away. Well, what he meant was when I became 12. Right? When I, when, when I became 12 in Bar Mitzvah, then I was done and I was grown. And I put all that stuff away. And so, you know, in the Bible, you didn't have kids and youth and adults. You had kids and adults. That's all. And we, we've created a culture today where we got kids 30, 35 years old still living at home playing video games and don't know what, it, what it's like to be a, you know, they still think they're a teenager. And uh, that's just a culture we've, we've given into and created that wasn't in the Bible. Are you here? You know, sometimes I just have to, I say to a lot of people sometimes, say, hey, you need to grow up. Had a pastor, a young pastor, I've known him since he was 13 years old, and he came to me not very long ago. And he said, but Terry, he said, this pastor in this church is hard. And I said, no, well, I'm sorry, buddy. And he said, uh, he said, you think God would uh, move me somewhere else because these people don't do what I tell them to do? And, and uh, maybe God would use my gift somewhere else better. And I said, did God tell you to pastor this church? He said, yes, sir. I said, you better grow up. Put your big boy pants on. Pastor this place. Love these people. Be the shepherd. Run the wolves off. Feed the flock. Feed the sheep. Train up the sheep to be wolf-biting sheep. To run the devil off. Amen. So anyway, only I got on that. But I was talking about the kids coming on Sunday night. I, I love the, I love the, the, the young guys and girls to get a hold of the word of God and hear some testimonies. And I'm looking forward to it. So. Go ahead.